0: breakfast puppies
1: this podcast contains adult language and content and is meant for mature audiences listener discretion is advised you're listening to the glitter boys so this is going to be kind of a free-form discussion What I've been wanting to talk about for a couple of weeks now are some ideas that I've had on reimagining certain aspects of the Rift's Earth setting to fit what I think that the lore of the setting is trying to evoke and kind of match up
0: what the numbers of the setting
1: don't quite fit in,
0: you know? Now, this is probably something that's going to be unique to Rift's. This won't be a a port to D&D or anything else like that. And I think that's just because of the sheer size and scope of, of rifts. With so much data, there there has to be some sort of, of baseline. What are you thinking here? I'm I, I'm I'm thinking that there are a lot of points in in rifts that do not add with with other points in rifts. Or or even in palladium, as riffs is the the drawn together world for all of palladium. Things that are supposed to be you know, incredibly fast in one world are not incredibly fast in another. Things that are supposed to be incredibly strong in one world are not incredibly strong in another. Histories that are supposed to be ancient and powerful are, oh, oh, what's up, young blood? You just fall in the cell block kind of when you get them <laughs> to rifts. So there, there's, there, I don't know a solution for it because again, it's such a massive, massive world that Palladium has. So I'm very interested in hearing your thoughts.
1: When we were playing our games, Unfortunately, the campaigns that we have been playing in ended up getting terminated, mainly due to scheduling issues. But when those games were running, I still now remember certain issues that I had running the game and they weren't mechanical in nature. The Palladium mechanics, as confusing as some people can find them and as, you know, um, haphazard the, their, their arrangement can be in the books. I feel that they actually run pretty well once you're sitting at the table and rolling the dice. But there are aspects of Rift's Earth that never quite sat right with me. So let's just go through some things here. It's going to kind of sound like a little bit of a gripe list. It's really not. I love Rift's and I love Rift's Earth. I want to take these things that were bothering me and giving me hitches in my GMing and present them in a way that I think other GMs might actually appreciate. Cool. So let's just... Do it list style here. We'll start from the top. The number one item on my list in my mind is speed and distance. The lore of Rift Earth right there in the bits from Aaron Tarn describing the setting and distances between towns and how very thinly populated it is. Like, you know, you'll get a town and that town will have some supplies and then the next town will be multiple hundreds of miles away. Okay. Okay. Multiple hundreds of miles covers a lot of distance on Earth's globe. Like, I drove across the country in a few days in a Chevy S10 pickup truck from the far east coast to the far west coast, and it wasn't quite 3,000 miles. Where are these hundreds (laughs) upon hundreds upon hundreds of towns if they're all hundreds upon hundreds of miles apart? It doesn't quite add up. And then you look at these... These vehicles that are commonly available right there in the first book that have speeds that go, you know, top speeds of multiple hundreds of miles per hour, you know, move up to Mach 1 or stuff like that. There's no limitation on travel at that point, other than there might be a monster in between. But you know what? If you can go that fucking fast, outfly the monster. Monster Dogs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, certain aspects of it, the, the logistics of Rift's Earth just never quite worked well in my brain. I just couldn't quite rationalize the world as presented with the story that I wanted to tell.
0: Does that make right. sense? It it does, but is Erin is Tarn still happening now? So maybe, like, Erin Tarn is contemporary, right? She's the, she's alive now. These are things that are happening now in these histories, and in all these forwards. Yes. Okay. That does make it problematic. Maybe she really enjoys the health benefits of walking? <laughs> i i i don't I don't know
1: what I've been trying to like work through in my brain over the last couple of weeks, even though we haven't even been playing, are ideas on how I would change some of these things to to fit a vision of rift surf that I have that I think might be more evocative and more immersive at a gaming table. So starting with with speeds and distances, the first thing that I propose doing is to run a, a truly immersive rifts North America setting basically throw out the fucking map get rid of the north american map throw it away forget it exists okay we just had a magical apocalypse now i know really only a couple of hundred years and you know the the world doesn't change that much in a couple of hundred years so this was a magical apocalypse the, the size and nature of which the universe supposedly has never experienced before we should not actually expect Earth to remain a sphere. I mean, You can have it whatever you want, but there should just not be the expectations that anything that we know from today should exist.
0: I was, I'm sorry, I was just thinking we just picked up the, uh, the whole flat Earth movement there.
1: Yeah, okay, let's make it a flat Earth. Uh, <laughs> what I did in my campaign, actually, that the players eventually discovered is that I made it a flat Earth. I made it an infinite plane like the Rift's Earth that they knew existed in a way and they could like travel certain distances away. But I knew that if the players decided to finally leave North America, they would start discovering brand new lands and new things beyond the boundaries of their continents.
0: Wait, no, wait. I'm I'm curious as a player in that campaign, elaborate more. So Abel gets a wild hair up his ass, has had a, quite enough of Jimmy's shit, right? And just just takes off west what 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 happens well he will first encounter the rocky mountains now you
1: know Mm -hmm. the rocky mountains as they are today and then abel would discover the rocky mountains as they are after the magical apocalypse which rips apart the earth and replants it in ways that it feels fit Mm -hmm. we're talking multiple kilometers high structures here we're full of monsters it's Clouds everywhere, terrible storms. Mm. So first off, they call it the Western Wall for a reason. I like it. Anyway, we're able to pass that. He would then make it to the west coast, and the west coast would be completely different than he had ever known before. I hadn't fully fleshed it out at the time, but I did flesh out the Pacific Northwest because I had plans for it.
0: I I, I was thinking specifically though, like the ge- the geography of of the 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 world you had envisioned.
1: Beyond that, he would see ocean. And then beyond the ocean, the Pacific Rim would just sort of keep on going. And when mm-hmm. it circled back around, that wouldn't be Japan on the other side. Right. That would be a so new world. new,
0: new lands. New okay. lands. So rifts is not only magically connected via the rifts, but physically connected in a, in a foot pathway to new worlds? Yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that as 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 a nexus at at all levels, not just via the magical conduit, but via hey, I'm going to walk this way and then when I reach water, I'm going to swim that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you will eventually that's cool.
1: One thing that got me thinking about that was looking back, I was watching our videos that we did of the unboxing of the the Christmas special, uh, the Christmas surprise box, and we did the one with Brandon and Brandon got that amber storybook. And it got me thinking about Amber and the way Amber does walking the pattern and traveling between realities, essentially, you know, shadows of, of Earth and in whatever. What if that's you just fucking head in a direction and you never know where you're going to go? The whole world could be wrapped up in some magical storm. Anyway, yeah, distance. Fuck with it. Stretch the earth or shrink it down. Make, you know, Chicago 20 miles from New York or make it 10,000 miles instead. Mm -hmm. What I'm getting at ultimately is to throw out the map and instead just use hand wavy directions. Like, you know what? To the west, to the east, we got the coalition. To the west, we got dragons. To the south, we got vampires. And to the north, we got bug people. Go play. I like it.
0: It's a much more open-ended way of looking at the planet. It could be difficult as the complexity of the storyline grows. Like I was looking, I did some quick math uh, while while you were talking. And that means from the East Coast to the West Coast, given that it's still 3,000 miles, there's only 15 places. That's, I mean, and when you think about it, if you take the the chaos earth on top of that, where everything to the Appalachians on the East coast is gone and everything to the Rockies on the West coast is just Mm -hmm. gone. Yeah. That's even less. So yeah, it just doesn't, that doesn't work for me. Yeah. Like I, I see it stylized as the coalition is, you know, trying to bring humanity up from the dark ages by any means necessary and reestablish their supremacy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just not enough. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like it makes the land big enough or if viewed from the other extreme, it makes it too big.
1: Agreed. I think it's, it, it just doesn't quite fit in my brain. I, I can't yeah. fully keep the world, the scale of the world in my brain when I'm running it, especially when I'm running it for people that are familiar with North America. Uh, and even more so, it was difficult because I was running a game set in Rift's era with characters from Chaos Earth who you would expect to have a little bit more familiarity. And I kept running up against this stuff like, you know, actually, yeah, they would know something here based upon how the map presents it and so finally i'm just thinking fuck the map fuck the map throw the map away forget about the old world except for little hints place little things here mm-hmm. and there do little things to you know connect your players to to america or wherever it is you're playing to to places that they find familiar but not too many hints and then make the hints Confusing. <laughs> like have them find a part of the Statue of Liberty torch in, in the middle of a desert, and yeah. to the south of that, they find the timepiece from Big Ben. So, <laughs> so, or or just you know, or they find something from their hometown in, here in portland or again. Some, some various things that they they recommend, cluing them into the fact that they can't expect the map of North America as we know it today. To be applicable to any directions that they receive in rifts time.
0: Here's something I like about what you just said. It allows you to do whatever you want with the world. Like, like I wouldn't have done the 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 big bend to the south, but I would have done. I don't know where's the where's the fucking Atlantic. There's a new land bridge, or just like no one has noticed this for two hundred years since the since the cataclysm. But one of the rifts over the ocean is open. And we've just been hemorrhaging water into some strange planet (laughs) and the oceans are going away. So where we did have the old coastline is now America is surrounded by a vast desert. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it just keeps going down. The land bridge is now available to, to Asia again. Japan is not sea locked. And that's why Atlantis is back because the sea level will lower until it gets to the point of that rift. So the the water is below it
1: that is really cool and i like it so much because it is the opposite of what is described in the book because the mm-hmm. book describes the ocean levels rising and you know the the coastline shrieking but the the idea of having a fucking rift to another dimension
0: that we're just feeding with water <laughs> yeah uh, hopefully it's not in the marianas otherwise we're we just became mars But. Um... Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. You see, you went you went to Amber when you were looking for your real world uh you know for your for your fictional thing. Mine is more Felipe Jose Farmer, the world of tears. I I've read Amber. I love Amber, but I, I, I think the world of tears is far more Riftian than 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 Amber. And they have stuff like that. There's a lava light world. I mean, he, he was not afraid to to play with with the constraints of reality and just had a great time with it and i actually took the ocean draining one from that
1: i like it i like it yeah now we've been talking about distance and direction but what about time the rifts earth setting assumes that roughly 200 years have passed since 1990 <laughs> and <laughs> the uh, and uh You know, 200 years during that time, it was magical storms tearing apart the world and whatever. But now it's 200 years later. And the setting lore assumes, just sort of implies, that time itself has remained more or less as we know it. But then it gives you temporal raiders and temporal wizards and spatial mages and the early rifters and characters that can alter the course of reality around them. Why then would we expect time to be still flowing in the same direction? Well, what if, speaking of other authors that have inspired us, what if we went the Jack Vance route and aged Mm. the world a million plus years? Just throw it far into the future Now, it may feel like only 200 years have passed, but during that time, the Earth itself, the physical component underneath our feet, aged so rapidly that nothing is as we knew it at
0: all. Let's explore that real fast. What if everything that didn't have the energy that we have as living beings accelerated at a different rate? So any, anything, for lack of a better word, without a soul, yeah. experienced that time, that time dilation. So if you were a long-lived critter, you could have lived from the time of the rifts to now. If You took, you know, very careful care of yourself and ate right and, you know, didn't slap vampires. <laughs> but if you were that person and you were wandering through the Everglades and you were wondering what the fuck has happened to the Everglades and why is there a giant a giant forest there? Well, it would be because a million years have passed. Things have changed. Continents have drifted. There has been a lot of volcanic action. That one rift draining the fucking water has is, is really taken a toll. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I, I like that. I like that on a, on a number of levels because it gives you that the rifts are not only magic as in like evocational or transportative magic, but... They they were magic in a uh in a in a in a space-time way as well. Like the 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 actual act of that coming back severed the physical connection to space-time to things that don't experience it in a conscious way. And then and then, oh my god, you can just do anything. Anything you want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, messing
1: with time that way, fucking with players preconceptions of what the world is like it's called rifts god damn it like there are magical rifts spewing things from realities that we as human beings right now as players that our brains just aren't built to comprehend it simply stands to reason and reason that tricky thing reason it <laughs> simply stands to reason that it would fuck up the world but then again Reason doesn't necessarily apply in a magical apocalypse. So maybe it fucks the world even more than we right now in this discussion are possibly considering. I,
0: I would say definitely. And I would also say that compared to a lot of other role-playing games, Rifts will actually lend itself to these kinds of interpretations because like Rifts is just a guidebook. That's it's it's a hard place to be a rules lawyer. Uh because they're like, no. That's just not the way it works. And then and there's so much contradictory that a lot of it is just left up to the GM to to call on. So if you're having trouble with, with space, time, and speed, by all means, you go digging down to the bottom of the planet, find that underpinning that holds the whole structure up and just kick that shit over and put your own brace in there because you know, it's, you're supposed to unleash your imagination. Mm-hmm. So do it.
1: What I'm picturing... If I had this ability, I'm really not good at Photoshop. If I were, I would have already done this. But imagine this. In front of you, you have the detailed map of Rift's North America. Because it's Photoshop and its layers and you you built it this way, you go through and you just take that layer that outlines the shape of the continent and you delete it. Just delete the shape of the continent. okay? But you still got all that stuff on the inside. Just go drag that city... Five inches north and drag that mountain range 12 inches to the left and then drag something over here and then drag, 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 and just move everything in random directions and then very, very crappily draw a new outline around it. And there you have your new map of rifts, North America. And you can do that to any of the
0: continents in any of the world books. I, I, I like it. I, have a problem with not with not rules lawyering per se in my own in my own playing, but I do have a problem with what is general knowledge and what general knowledge should be, and fitting that into the game mechanic of no, I'm sorry, you don't have that skill. But doesn't everyone know that? I think this is a really good way, especially to uh, a Chaos Earth person, of being like, no, no, you do not know that because everything is fucking different.
1: Oh, man. Yeah. Everything. Applying it to Chaos Earth could be pretty awesome. One of the main things of the Chaos Earth theme is that everybody's trying to regroup back to like Middle America to, to fortify the the uh, the NEMA bases. Well, imagine this. We're running a Chaos Earth adventure and they're like, all right, cool. Tomorrow uh, after camp, we're going to go rendezvous with the, the team at Checkpoint Alpha. It's 30 miles to the north. All right, we're going to head out first dawn. First dawn comes and Scout comes in and says, "Sorry, buddy, it's now 400 miles to the north." I'm
0: like, "What the fuck?" But <laughs> because... it's okay, I made it in 15 minutes on my sky cycle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. That yeah.
0: <laughs> well played. <laughs> well played. It's hard, and I think if you start applying the temporal uh dilation that that becomes a lot different, especially if you start thinking extra planar or extra dimensionally, that scout could be gone. That scout could come back next year. Why I don't know he just entered a place where the grass was just a little different, and all of a sudden time is flowing backwards or yeah or is is passing on a on a micro scale instead of a macro scale i mean there's there's lots of ways because we've added. We've taken Earth and we've added magic. And you can do anything <laughs> with magic because it's magic.
1: I mean, yeah, magic right there. It's the excuse to unleash your imagination in any way that you want.
0: So uh, I've gone pretty far afield here. So that was time and distance. What, what else would you like to streamline?
1: There's a concept in old school gaming. Specifically, the OSRs, are really into it. And even some people who play modern-day variants of D&D that embrace more of the, um, the design aspects, you know, built into Third Head and later, but they still have this longing for an old-school way of doing things. And that concept is the hex crawl. Are you familiar well, with, with hexes? hexes? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. For those not familiar with the hex crawl, basically, you start the game with a hex, a single hex of, of you know, a, a six-sided shape in front of you and that is where your party currently begins the game and you fill that hex with a location and then depending upon how your group wants to start it off you can either just venture blindly into the unknown or you can pre-fill x number of circles radius around that hex with other things like there's a forest here and there's a desert over here and whatever make rifts a hex crawl so put a little hex right here. Like right? lay down on your on your your table, your gaming table. Lay down this massive hex map, and right in the middle, put uh, the players wherever they're starting. Like they're starting at the the old Nema bunker that uh, they they cry- cryogenically, yeah. They <laughs> the popsicles woke up in the Nema bunker, <laughs> or they uh, <laughs> or it's their hometown. Whatever if you want to have a base of operations, put a hometown there. And then instead of filling out the area around it, or or maybe, you know, fill out, fill out one circle of hexes around it and then reach like 3D12 hexes in a random direction and put a city that they know is over here somewhere. And then X in another direction, some various icons. They don't know what lies between here and there, but now we have some targets of exploration and then go forth
0: and find out what's out there. I, I really like that because I've always liked the old school hex generation. I, I actually think that way, not in an actual hex, but in, in circles when I, uh, when I DM. But I just, I just had a thought and it's still developing. But what if, to take it back to the other concept uh, of space and time and distance and everything being fucked up, what if Magnetic North wasn't Magnetic North? What if the planet was knocked off its axis? What if it was rotated 90 degrees so that the North Pole is west? Uh, Sure. Why
1: not? I mean, our Earth's magnetic field does shift.
0: And that's without magic. Yeah.
1: It just does it naturally on its own. That was actually one of the uh, plot points in the Tales from the Loop and Things from the Flood campaigns. Mm Mm-hmm. And that, uh, the tales from the loop is the, 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 techno 1980s that never was. And they had these floating sky ships called magnetrine ships that floated around in the, the magnet magnetic field of the, the Northern hemisphere. But, uh, in the nineties that field shifts and all of those ships are now just left floating or crashed dead into
0: the ground. Useless. I just, I just like, I, I want to see Abel's face when he's marched three miles East and the sun for some reason, is rising in the South. And he's just pissed off, and he's confused, and he doesn't know what's happening.
1: I mean, what if the magical apocalypse did more than that? It changed the orbit of the planet. It changed its rotation.
0: We're not even orbiting the original sun anymore. (laughs) God damn. Why is the day (laughs) 30 hours long? Yeah. It's just... Yeah, 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 yeah. Just... Anyway, unleash your imagination. <laughs> Have fun. You know, if, 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 if the world feels too familiar and people are kind of taking advantage of that, well, then that was just the safe zone that they've explored so far. Out here, past this little stand of, of trees, shit gets really weird. This was a calm area in the coming of the rifts. But, well, beyond this, shit's fucked. I would like to
1: add a mechanical idea, a proposal, if you will. Going back to what I was saying very early on about how the vehicle speeds have always bothered me in Rifts, my proposal uh, would be for GMs who want to impose a little bit more of a survival-based or a bit of scarcity to their game and uh, actually have distances be something that matter to the group, take the speeds of... Vehicle in rifts. That top speed right there, divide it by half. And the number that you get is its top maximum, not going to damage the vehicle speed. And even that, hmm. not mm-hmm. something you want to do for an extended period of time because it's going to have difficulty of controlling the vehicle at that high speed. Now, go back to that original max speed. That's its redline speed. That's its, if you maintain this speed for more than a few minutes at a time, your vehicle might fall apart underneath you speed.
0: Or you're going to smack into a tree that you just didn't see coming because you were looking at the last tree you just dodged.
1: I, too, watched Return of the Jedi and GMs. I'm pretty (laughs) sure all of you have as well. That is what I think those top speeds, those vehicles that fly so fucking fast, I just don't understand how, how, I just don't get it <laughs> like, without some kind of g force protections, like, like your average person inertial
0: dampeners, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and yeah, I know, unleash your imagination, that's great, we can do that. We can unleash the imagination, but again, rationalizing it with the brain with the distances that are set forth here, players are gonna look at their their sheet, look at their vehicle that they've written down, and see. My hover cycle has a top speed of 500 miles per hour. So I'll be there in a minute. Yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> that can ruin some GM's plans.
0: Yeah. The cyber horse looks cool and all, but I'll see you in a week and a half.
1: Yep. Mess with those speeds. I, I don't suggest that you get rid of them entirely because having a vehicle that can go 500 miles per hour is pretty fucking cool. But mm-hmm. make that a make that at a theoretical top end. I got this vehicle. It says in the manual it can go five hundred miles an hour, and I look at that speedometer there, and it's got that five hundred
0: there, but... but why are all the numbers red after that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now let's talk about that in context of flying. how do you want to how do you want to keep that the same, or is that just land speed
1: it's unless we're getting real deep into the physics of it, it's really just going to be. By the crow flies speed okay. so just direct distances the the trick to that is to filling the air with just as many obstacles as you put on the ground so mm. if the players can fly to too many places but you as the gm don't want that to be something that they just immediately do like all right cool well we'll be at the next town in 10 minutes and uh we'll go get some reinforcements and we'll be here and we've solved all the problems and the adventure that you had planned for us is a uh, null and void kind of thing if you want to avoid that put obstacles whichever direction they take don't fly through the clouds those clouds <laughs> might not be as uh, permeable as you think. Yeah. <laughs> that, that that cloud up ahead could actually be a very fat Monster that they just slam into, <laughs> or the city of the jellyfish people. <laughs> the city of the jellyfish people in riffs New West. They have these these super 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 tall spider things, which which yank people out of the sky. And one of my favorite monsters, by the way, and of course dragons.
0: Yeah, fucking, fake dragons. Let us Demons. let us never never forget dragons. <laughs> I like it. another way to do it would be just like classes of speed, like you have foot. You have Mounted, you have Transport One, which would be like an 80s Chevy. Uh, you have like a sports car level. And then you have like a, a, a plane, a jet, and then like an escape orbital vehicle, which is moving thousands of kilometers a second, which you would only do with a spaceship kind of thing or in phase world or something that's, that's out there in space. But it's just, it's not, well, yours moves 450 and mine moves 550, which means I will pull away at a rate of one-fifth. You're like, no, this vehicle moves at this class of speed and at this class of risk.
1: Yeah, some of the variants of the setting, I think Savage Worlds even actually has like uh, size classes or whatnot, where like things Mm -hmm. just on a a greater scale are uh, maybe do more damage or or take less damage or whatnot. And you can totally apply that to speeds, like have a speed class kind of thing. I know that Rifts loves, loves, loves to (laughs) fill things with exact mileages. And -hmm. eventually you're like, okay, somebody really likes writing down numbers.
0: Someone (laughs) likes to pull out their pocket calculator and just fucking.
1: Yeah, someone really likes writing down speeds and weights. And things, and I really think that you as a GM should just sort of take a lot of that stuff with a grain of salt. And I know a player might get super excited about their 500 miles per hour hover bike, but we do. Honestly, it's the hover bikes that break everything. It's the hover bikes. It's those single passenger, super, super, super fast things that break everything, in my opinion.
0: Well, it's not only that. Like, let's let's take it back to uh, Robotech third generation, where Rand gets his first Cyclone. And attempts to uh, attempts to pilot it. That thing can go that fast. Rand is not used to the heads-up display that the cyclone rider has in his helmet. Rand cannot make sense of the data coming at him so fast. Rand plows into stuff an awful lot. Yeah. Like speed, speed might be a factor of training as well. Like, yeah, you can move that fast. Can you deal with that level of thing coming at you? Because oh 500 miles an hour is real fucking fast. If you are not a trained pilot... With the heads-up display and forward-looking radar, you're fucked. You, you cannot make those decisions that fast. You can't just strap on goggles and then go 500 miles an hour. Because by the time the chemical carriers have gone from your eyes to your brain, to your hands and your feet, you've plowed into it.
1: And that's brilliant, actually. You have a skill base in Rift, Yeah. And that skill is a percentage. What mm-hmm. if that... Skill base that you have is that percentage is directly applied to how fast you can make that vehicle go.
0: Ooh, 50% of your speed, 75% of your. Oh, mm-hmm. that's the way to do it. Yeah. I like that a lot.
1: We've drifted pretty deep into this topic. It's it, uh, but bucket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it does tie in directly to one of the things, which is distance and. When the players have the ability to cover vast distances, you either need to reassess how you are describing those distances or take your game to another level. Like if, if they are covering vast distances, then maybe it's maybe it's time to take them out of their hometown area and move them to a global scale.
0: Yeah. And don't be afraid uh, if, if they have if they found a way to to move fast and, and make this work. Well, They came up with this way and they were born, you know, maybe 18 to 25 years ago. There are critters who have been living here for much longer than that. And they have probably figured out ways to move, move pretty fast as well. So they're thinking they're invincible. And then the dragon hits the nitrous and then all (laughs) fucking bets are off. (laughs) Just
1: remind them that other people in the world are also player characters.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they're not not just mindless mooks. There's not really a mook system in.
1: Well, that's what I got on this.
0: I like it. It was actually, uh, it was fairly thought provoking. And I liked, I liked some of the, the, the places we went, Uh, the draining lakes, the, the infinites, uh, the playing with time. And I think honestly, the. Cause I've, I've had trouble with it too. I've, I've gotten my car up to 160 miles an hour and I was having some real trouble like with, with road curvature. And this is in a modern freshly paved long straightaway. And that's just other cars there. And I've, I've done that once in my life.
1: That terrifies me.
0: It was terrifying. I didn't maintain it long. Now take that and at a bare minimum triple it. And that's what your hover bike does. So as far as speed goes, ask yourself exactly how much you can process in an old destroyed road with a forest growing through it, (laughs) you know? All right, everyone. Well, thanks for tuning in. I hope uh, some of this was thought provoking to you. Hopefully there's some things you can lift out and drop into your campaign and we'll see you next time.
1: See you next time. This closing music is Caravana by Philip Gross, available at freemusicarchive.org.
0: No, there is no way. We record now. We go now. This is happening. This is now. That wasn't at all for the bloopers at the end.